Today's episode is brought to you by my new best-selling book, Mastering Adversity, Unlock the Warrior Within, and Turn Your Biggest Struggles into Your Greatest Gifts. I've had the honor and privilege of interviewing hundreds of highly successful and inspirational humans on this show. From New York Times bestselling authors, celebrities, pro athletes, billionaires, scientists, doctors, and the common heroes among us. I've been able to absorb so much amazing information on what it means to overcome adversity and to transform that into your purpose and to live a purposefully filled life. Not only that, but also my own journey, personal transformation, healing, growing through the last crazy three years of the pandemic and everything else. I wanted to write a book that was my unique take on what it means to master adversity in your life. I have the five A's for mastering adversity, which takes you from the start to finish on a process on how to go from beginning to the end and turn that adversity into something meaningful. I also wanted to help create self-awareness for people, people to really understand their behaviors when adversity hits. So I created the four adversity archetypes, which you are able to understand that when challenges hit, how does your, what happens? Where, what is your behavior? What is your emotions? I wanted to really paint a picture on when we're, we're all going to go through challenges. We're all going to go through these things in our life, but how do we respond? That's the difference. And I believe that this book, if you're searching for a tool to navigate a crazy world and you're struggling with something, maybe you've gone through in the past now or in the future, which we all will go through this book will help. Mastering Adversity, it's available now. There's a link below in the show notes. It helps support the show. The show is all free for all the listeners. It always has been. And this purchasing of the book goes directly into the production of this show. All right, everybody. Enjoy an uninterrupted podcast episode with Laura D. Benedetto. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. This is your first time tuning in. Welcome, all you regular listeners. Welcome back. If you are tuning in for the first time, or you guys have been listening to the show and you aren't subscribed yet, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to this so that you can just get the episode downloaded to whatever platform you're on. So if you hit the subscribe or the follow button, that just means you'll be on top of the episodes. Make it real easy for yourself. All right. Today's episode, we have Laura D. Benedetto joining us again. She joined us two years ago, and I can assure you, this is a very different conversation. Such a powerful, raw discussion, and I'm so excited to share this with you guys. Laura is an entrepreneur, speaker, and author known for her inspirational and empowering messages. 
She is the founder of Sovereign Ammo, a business that aligns with her belief in individual sovereignty and freedom. Laura is passionate about personal growth and helping others find joy and fulfillment in life. In this raw and unfiltered discussion, Laura fiercely, fearlessly delves into the pros and cons of influential figures like Trump, DeSantis, and Kennedy, shining light on their varying stances and the impact they have had on society. She candidly expresses her concerns about the erosion of freedom, the influence of the media, and disinformation campaigns orchestrated by powerful forces. But it doesn't stop there. Laura shares her personal experiences during the pandemic where she witnessed the unraveling of friendships and the questioning of societal norms. Her own traumatic encounter with COVID-19 fueled her skepticism towards the medical establishment and the rush to embrace the vaccine. With unwavering, with unwavering conviction, she challenges the narratives surrounding mask mandates, mandates, and compliance, calling for autonomy and personal choice. Throughout it all, Laura's unwavering commitment to truth, personal growth, and individual sovereignty shines through. She shares her empowering strategies for navigating the chaos, speaking your truth, and reclaiming personal joy. Laura's mission is clear, to spark conversations, challenge the status quo, and inspire listeners to find their own voice in a world that often stifles dissent. So buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, and prepare for a thought-provoking journey as we dive deep into the depths of chaos, seeking the light of truth, and the power of our own voices. This episode will inspire you to question, to be brave, and to find joy amidst the chaos. Enjoy. Laura, welcome back to the show. I'm excited to have you on. I think last time we chatted was, when was it? I think it was, was it during COVID or was it before COVID? It feels like time has stopped. I know. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's that window of like weirdness. And I don't know if it was 2019 or 2020 now that I'm top off the top of my head, but I don't know. It, it, things were different. I know. I was I was living on an island at the time. Yeah, I know you that were in much. Hawaii, right? I was. Yeah, I was living on the island of Maui. That was cool. And now you're back in Florida. Yeah. Well, I'm not from here, so I'm back on the East Coast and the Eastern Time Zone um, versus being six hours behind the world and being like late to every party I go to. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I loved about Florida. I loved when being in Miami because I always felt like I was on top of things. Like oh. even if I slept in, <laughs> I was like still ahead of Pacific no matter what. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I love Miami too. I'm sorry. We didn't get to connect when uh, you were down there. Just, you know, travel schedules didn't work out, but Florida is awesome. It's, it's really great. I mean, I'm a gardening nerd, so <clears throat> I'm just like super excited that we have essentially like two and a half, um, grow seasons here. And, you know, it's just really cool. <laughs> well, and yeah, and you're in a very good state for freedom. Yup. <laughs> How do you like Florida? Talk to us about Florida and that whole situation. Sure. Uh, well, we moved here because I don't like hysteria. I don't like lockdown mania. I've been 
the tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist who actually was right about everything. Um, I'm that person. And now I'm just kind of like stroking my non-existent beard, be like, I told you so. How's that yeah. feel? <laughs> like, I just like lockdowns were not good for anybody. They were not good for businesses. They were not good for people psychologically. They were really not good for children's uh, development. Um, Hawaii was no fun um, when everybody was like locked down and afraid and people turned on each other. And it was just really, really bizarre. It was like, what the hell? Like, I just stopped recognizing people. Aloha died. And um, yeah, so I wanted to be in the free state of Florida. Love me some Governor DeSantis. He's the best. I've met him a couple times now. I got to share a stage with him. He invited me to talk about um, some business issues uh, on stage at one of his press conferences. And just moving here has been amazing. The people are awesome here. Logic prevails. Even if you don't like agree with other people's choices, people generally just shut up and mind their own business, which is kind of my general philosophy of life. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Just don't tell me what to do. Leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. Yeah. I, I noticed that a lot when I was traveling during this, all that craziness, you know, because I was in, I got to see it in California. I got to see it in Colorado. I got to see it in, um, in Florida and even, you know, Mexico and South America. So I got to have a taste and Canada, of course. And you I got, got to, to see all the different flavors of it. Yeah. And I got to see how people showed up with it and and whether people were drinking the Kool-Aid or not. And it was really fascinating because, you know, like you go from somewhere like Florida where I was in Miami and I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. People just don't give a shit. People just leave you alone. It's like, everyone's just, mm -hmm. you know, you do you. Okay, great. Thanks. Well, you know to be what? fair, Miami is its own ecosystem. And even people from Miami, they'll be like, oh, you, no, no, no. Don't say we're part of Florida. Miami is its own country. Yeah. Like, that's kind of, of a no, that, that's kind of weird too. Why is that? Why are people like, they have to say South Florida? Like, what is that? Why? why There's a reason for that. Um, because yeah. though I live in North Florida in Jacksonville and in Jacksonville, it's it's basically like extended Georgia. It's the South. But the okay. more South you go, the more Northern it gets attitude wise. So you'll see a lot of transplants from Massachusetts, New York, Connecticut, the more South you go. You know, I'm one of the wacky people who's originally from New England was like, you know what? I need some North Florida in my life. Welcome, y'all. Yeah. Tea. You know, there's there's like a lot of like manners here, which I appreciate. Not a lot of um, glitz and sparkle and the craziness and uh, frankly, the the awesomeness of Miami. Like, I love Miami. It's it's so extra. <laughs> it's so extra. It's like Miami. Holy crap. Tone it down a bit. Like you're it's so intense. much. That's what makes it great. Yeah. I mean, you see one like people, two people walking down the same street, one in Versace with hair flowing and gorgeous and looking like she stepped off a magazine. And then you see someone right next to her looking like she just rolled out of a dumpster. And then they're just walking together and it's fine and it's normal. And I'm like, wow, Miami, you're so much. You're you're like the warmer, more palm tree-y version of Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. It, and so there was that. And then, you know, I went, then I came to California and saw I had a, something going on there when my book came out. And I was like, whoa, this place is crazy. I was in like San Francisco area and like mm. the Bay Area and uh, Santa Cruz. And I was like, holy shit, people are like, it's, it's fascinating to me. It was fascinating to see the difference in how people behave and how mask etiquette and like, why are you doing that? Why are you, 
Like, what is going on here? Like, are we in the same world? I know. Travelers like yourself understand the stupidity of so much. And people that didn't leave their homes or just sat at home, hunkered down, watching CNN, thinking, oh, my God, the sky is falling. And then people that actually left their locale saw... No, everything is fine, but some people are really drinking the Kool-Aid. Others are mixing the Kool-Aid and making it for everyone else. And other people are like, Kool-Aid, the hell is that? Mm. You know, I I was in that club and it's like, y'all are nuts. Like, why are you doing this? You really think a little piece of fabric over your face, which makes you look like a prisoner, is going to stop a big bad virus? Like, it's putting up a chain link fence to stop mosquitoes. Like, use your noodle. Like, come on, man. Were you political before all this or was it kind of like... Okay, so talk. This is because this is a good part. So you, when we talked last time, you you published a book, your personal development, all this stuff, and then you kind of went into this sovereignty, like that word sovereignty, and you got sovereign ammo now, and you're like very yep. patriotic, which is great to see. And DeSantis, I'd love to know, like, what was the difference? How you get in there your, in your thought process of like politically like because you're from you know new england which is very left very liberal and it is and then you know hawaii is even probably more so and then now you're on you know you've gotten a lot more political you you, you're a lot more vocal about it linkedin you've blown up on there like almost what twenty thousand followers you get so much engagement on there it's crazy and i'm just curious as to like that process like the before and after like what was what was the thing that kind of switched for you and um mm, yeah it's a good speak question speak to us about that a little bit sure so um it it really is a good question it's like how do you go from being blissfully apolitical and like daddy daddy da i'm just going to go walk on the beach and life is great to screw you i'm going to make ammo like how do you do yeah, that it's wild right <laughs> it's not the typical journey but COVID, as much as I hated so much of it, and it was a deep traumatic wound for me to go through that and watch people change and lose friends and everything, it was a big part of my awakening to how people really are versus how I thought they were. And that was big because I was a little Pollyanna before and thinking that people People are inherently good. No, they're not. Um, And people, you know, really want the best for each other. No, they don't. And thinking that, you know, government is just out there just doing stuff and they're there to serve us theoretically, but no, they're not. Like so much that changed within me is a result of seeing blatant bullshit like laid out for me. And like, I could see the bullshit. I'm like, this isn't even a good attempt at a lie. And you expect me to believe this? You must think I'm stupid. Yes, they do. They think we're all stupid because so many people got lied to and duped and, you know, like coerced into doing things that were against their best interests. And I was watching people make very poor decisions. And like, listen, I'm very vocal about anti-vax. Okay. I've become so distrustful of the medical establishment and big pharma. They can, they can all go jump in a lake. I think they're all out to hurt you for their own enrichment and with no soul. There are a bunch of soulless suits that are just about getting their own yacht. And unfortunately I have little 
little to no evidence to the contrary, but I have so much evidence that actually proves it because it's like, you know, the only thing that the that uh, the COVID vaccine actually provided immunity to was the companies that made it. Um, it didn't actually provide any sort of durable immunity, no sterilization, no nothing. And it introduced a lot of risk that they lied about. And um, and then so many people that were bought in and drinking the Kool-Aid were like, no, it's safe. They would never lie to us. Meanwhile, it's like you're you're sick. Your heart hurts now. You have a blood clot in your brain. I don't want to say I told you so, and I'm not going to, but I really wish you'd listen to me because I tried to help you because there's no longitudinal safety data. That's all you needed to know. For someone that says, trust me, it's the biggest indication across life that someone's screwing you over. So it was the vaccine. It was the lockdowns. And, and honestly, one of the biggest wake up calls for me was I remember seventh grade science class. Do you remember seventh grade science class? Because I sure do. And I remember sitting there at the big tall lab tables and everything. And we were learning about viruses and stuff. And we were learning about airborne viruses and airborne anything. And also, you know, how to get clean up toxins and stuff like that. The simple thing I remember from seventh grade science class, the solution is dilution. Tell me why I need to wear a mask on my face on the beach outside in tropical winds. Explain this to me and make it make sense. You can't because it's about compliance and about subservience and I'm not doing it. So that was the beginning of this doesn't make sense to me. This whole blind obedience thing, like you're supposed to question stuff. And if it doesn't make sense, you're supposed to say, no, I'm not doing that. But there was so much groupthink because of fear. Um Everybody had a fearful reaction during COVID. They were either afraid of the virus, afraid of tyranny, afraid of each other, afraid of something. And I was one of those people. I was afraid of tyranny and other people. I was like, come and get me, COVID. I don't care. You're a bioweapon and so is the damn vaccine. So one of them is going to kill me. So I'd rather roll, roll the dice with the Wuhan, right? So it was just a crazy, crazy adventure to just have my vision of humanity go up and smoke and replaced with this much more nefarious version that was paraded and sold to you as something so noble, so pure, so selfless, so helpful, but really is the very stake in your heart that causes you and society as we know it to actually die and crumble. I'm like, huh, well, that was the great awakening. And then I got pissed. I got really pissed. I did not feel safe on Maui. So we moved to the safety of Florida. Um, remember places here be like ma'am 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 are you annoyed yet ma'am like i'm like i've got an ice pack that's got to go right in your eyeball like don't call me ma'am like ma'am you need to wear a mask actually i don't i won't be doing that today i don't gotta do anything you gotta shut up or i'll take my business elsewhere and they'll be like oh well um uh, uh it's policy use your damn gray matter you're not thinking and i'm done with the group think so the matter I get, the more vocal I get, the more successful I get. Go figure. People love honesty. It's a breath of fresh air. Why do you think people are so gullible? Like, why do you think, Let's, for instance, like you and I, we both smelled bullshit from the beginning. I mean, for me, I think I was, it, when things, you know, what, March 2020, I started to question it like, june i was like this is june or july i was like this doesn't make sense but i had also been questioning the food system i i had been red flagging it for years before that you know right. and that was just kind of like oh this too like it was kind of like ding 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 because i was mm -hmm. um i talked about this before i was following dr mercola for years 
And Dr. Mercola was like, always, he was like the number one natural doctor when he talked about, you know, chemicals and foods. And he was the one that I learned from like back in 08 about chemicals and foods. And like, he was talking about, you know, stuff about vaccines. So there's like this thing going off, you know, obviously in the beginning, I was kind of like, okay, it's kind of cool. Things are kind of quiet. I'll just chill out. But then I'm like, I was in the same boat. Actually, this is is really weird. And then, you know, things, things started to happen and, you know, but you're right. It was like, so interesting to witness human behavior and see like i thought you were i thought you were smarter and i didn't think you would and then it was like the people that you thought would would get it didn't and then some people you're like oh this Mm -hmm. person definitely doesn't get but they get it you're like whoa it's crazy so why do you think that is why do you think certain people have have had that that gullibility and they like they, they give their power away why do you think that is like, oh my what God. is the what is the reason that there isn't you know? just one? I think it's multi nuanced. To be honest with you, I think that oh God, that's such a good question. I think first of all, people respond to external pressure differently. There's people who are inclined to please others, and there are inclined people who are inclined to raise the middle finger. That would be me. <laughs> so it's just part of my DNA to question everything. Uh, Gretchen Rubin, as it wrote, should be though, it should be. Well, yes, but some children are indoctrinated into hardcore obedience no matter what by their teachers their parents whatever gretchen rubin wrote a really cool book um although woefully biased towards certain personality types but that talked about um how people respond to expectations both internal and external and i think i think part of it is personality types based on that the book was called the four tendencies if you haven't read it i would encourage you to she is the type that responds to external and internal and internal expectations really well so she has no understanding or sympathy and it's very clear from her writing that she doesn't understand or even like the people who don't respond to external or internal expectations that would be me um but that that's one of the nuances i think the other one is also how people are conditioned to respond to commands so i'm an entrepreneur you're an entrepreneur I'm accustomed to bucking the system and I'm accustomed to being like, nah, that's dumb. I'm not doing it. Um, so it's kind of in my DNA. It's in your DNA. So when someone's like, Hey, put this little piece of fabric on your face, it's going to save the world. Um, no, you're dumb. Like that's just part of, I think who you and I are as people, right? Initially I was scared. Like I kind of woke up somewhere around like May, June. I'm going to give my husband a ton of credit for this because I'd be like, babe, I'm scared of COVID, you know? And he's like, why? And I'm like, um, that's a good question. Well, I don't want to die. He goes, well, who says you're going to die? Because they said so. But why are you believing it? I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. You, ooh. All right. Yeah. So then phew, down the rabbit hole I went, but there's that. There's also people who cling to safety. And like I said, it depends on what people were afraid of. I remember early on noticing people's behavior shift and it was so noticeable in Hawaii. And I'm sure other pockets of the country, it wasn't as bad because they were kind of reflecting what the governor and all of the group think in that area said. So yeah. Florida's group think was, it's fine. 
you're going to get the Rona. You're going to live, move on. Yeah. And then in California, I'm sorry, California and um, Hawaii and all these other places, it was like, we're all going to die. The sky is falling. And then people went with that group thing. Mm. And it was it, I like I noticed that there was definitely fear-based responses. And I remember actually, I even journaled about this and I looked right at the other day, I was like, I'm actually not afraid of the virus because I'm young and healthy. I eat right. And I've avoided a lot of medical stuff that, you know, hurts you. Um, I'm actually really afraid of other people. They're going to rat you out. They're going to tattle on you. There was even a snitch van driving around Maui. Like, If it's really that deadly, why is there a snitch van? Why do we not have hospital vans driving around? A snitch van would not be the appropriate response. Medical personnel would be. Hmm. So it just, uh, people don't want to critically think because they haven't been taught to do it. Our school system is setting people up to be slaves and subservient. Yeah. Oh yeah. The school system set up for factory workers. It always has been. And it's. You can thank Rockefeller for that one. Yeah, yeah, well, it's also, you know, I think about being Canadian and um, you being American, you guys had, so it's so different for us in Canada because we have provinces, but they're not the same as like the states. You know, each province here is like, policies are pretty similar. Like you can't just go from one province to the other and like you can in the States, which is cool. It's like you, you could, that's why everybody went to Texas or went to Florida and you it's can't? Really, well, you, I mean, we have provinces where you can go. Like I'm, the province I'm in right now is where I was born. And it's more, uh, you know, blue collar. I would say if you had to say it was probably more moderate conservative than let's say British Columbia, where I was from is like is hardcore liberal. You might as well be in LA, right? But really? the difference is huh. it's just, it's just different in the States. Mm-hmm. Like in the States, it's like, each state is their own world. It's like, it's like whatever, you know, and that's what I kind of liked about it is that you can, you can pick a state and go there and then you can just kind of do your thing versus here. It's, it's, it's not, I never knew that it's, it's very, it's different that way. Right. It's I'm that American who always thought that like Canada was like a junior America. Well, I'm sorry. It is, but it is, (laughs) but it's just different. Like our provinces are, you know, the, things are relatively the same. And, you know, we, our prime minister, Justin Trudeau is, is a piece of work too. So it's just been, do you think he's Castro's son? Cause I sure do. I, I, I think, I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. And that's a polite way to couch it. He, yeah. By the way, there's a tinfoil hat free in every roll of aluminum foil. <laughs> Can we, unpack what that like i've heard that saying so many times why are we why are we called why is it called that like what, what is, conspiracy what is, theorist no but why is a tin foil what does a tin foil have to do with this? oh i always um, wonder that because it's oh like, I there's think an it's answer funny because all the things that were conspiracies have come true pretty much so like you know what i mean like i don't know like it's and and that's the thing that blows my mind is that that saying is just such a bullshit now too conspiracy theory I feel like so, it's, it's lost its power. I don't know the etymology of it, but I do know that there's such a thing called. <laughs> I can't wait to have you to my house one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird around here. We have the Faraday fridge. Okay. <laughs> but basically, there's like a Faraday cage and whatever. And it's it's basically 
Faraday, I presume it's some guy's name who um, figured out that it blocks like certain radiation into your brain. So people would be like, you can't read my thoughts. So they would wear the tinfoil hat. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, there is such a thing as like a Faraday sleeve where you tuck your phone in there. But I have what I like to call the Faraday fridge <laughs> where I'll just be like, I want to have one of those like super like right wing nut job like conversations with my husband. I'll be like, babe, put the phones in the fridge. Let's talk. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. So, okay. I, um, so you, you started. And now the world knows that I'm a kook. I'm so how, how much backlash did you face from family and friends from going completely to that, that the, the conservative Republican being, I'm assuming you were kind of a Democrat growing up, right? Like, I not, really never thought much about it. Not much What's about interesting it. is, um, I've kind of stayed in the same damn place. It's the world that went a little crazy. Like the right went further right and the left went all the way down the field and just. That's a like, great point. Gone. Like I, I've always been me. It, it, I didn't change, but my surroundings did. Okay. So I just became, you know, I guess more vocal about the things that I've felt. I mean, my views on gay rights have not changed my views about religious freedom have not changed my views about abortion have not changed my views about guns have changed a little bit only because i just never really thought about them much my ex-husband and i we didn't have firearms but i was like people have them that's fine like i don't care just don't shoot me we cool like never really thought about it like if you were to like there's oh god um there's this website where I forget what it's called, like political compass or something like that, where you can figure out where you sit on this little quadrant of beliefs. Wouldn't yeah. you know I'm in the dead center with like just a skosh towards libertarianism? Well, that makes sense because I, I fully believe most people are like, but there's they this are. there's this this force that wants us to be so separate and so divided that if you yes because they win when we're divided if you even think trump had some like uh, a good point or desantis you are a racist you are this you're that oh, you're a bigot and if you even thought about anything liberal then you're just one of them like you're just mm -hmm. all of, it's it's crazy it's absolutely crazy and i love that you said that because i'm the same way like people I, I don't give a shit. Do whatever you want. Like have the freedom to be with who, like, it doesn't make any difference. But right. Like, what people don't understand is I want you to get into this and we don't understand this in Canada because we, we don't have what you guys have with like the second amendment and all that. We have a charter of rights, which got fucking, they just break all the time. But why is that second amendment firearms important for you? Like, why did that why did that start to kind of go off? And can you explain that to people? Because I get this, I get this all the time where people are like, oh, guns aren't the answer, guns and blah, blah, blah. That deals with these shootings and stuff like that. But I know that if those wouldn't happen if they had armed guards at schools, first of all, like that wouldn't mm -hmm. ever happen, but they won't do that. So speak to us about that because I know you must get questions about guns. About I do. I and, do and like kind of make sense to it, make sense of it for people that maybe just kind of like, like, why is it necessary? Why do you need to have those? What's the big deal about the second amendment, all that kind of stuff. Sure. I'll answer your first question too. <laughs> uh, I did lose a number of friends 
but some of my friendships became deeper and much more profound. Um, but then the ones where they are super hard left, they were like, you've changed. No, we just never talked about this stuff before. So now we're mm. not as close, but I'm a person who believes in nuance. So we still have the friendships, but these questions do come up with them and with other people. And even people who have interviewed me, they're like, okay, so you say you're a recovering Democrat. What's that like? It's like, well, the world changed. I didn't. Um, but the importance of the Second Amendment, uh, the, the founders of the United States of America put the Second Amendment in place to protect the people against the rise of a tyrannical government. It is there specifically to make sure that we can dismantle our government if it becomes too unwieldy. And people have forgotten that. Um, and they say, oh, well, the people shouldn't have X, Y, and Z firearms. Only the military should have that. No, the government should never outgun the people ever. It literally was the entire point of the United States to have freedom from tyranny, from taxes, from a kind of a bunch of forms of um, government enslavement that people have steadily gone down the road of, okay, well, sure. Basically what's happening in the United States right now is death by a thousand cuts. And the United States as a country, as an experiment is I hate to say it, it is failing because people are okay with death by a thousand cuts. It's like, oh, well, we just need to do this little tax. It'll be fine. You won't mind. Oh, okay. Oh, well, you know, we're just going to do some gun control. It'll be okay. It'll just be a little. You won't mind. But the problem is it's a little, it's a little, it's death by a thousand cuts. Literally, the purpose of the Second Amendment was put in there for the destruction and the abolition of the United States, should it become something that is turned against the people, which it has been. Um, so the whole purpose of it, it mentioned something about a well-regulated militia. The purpose was to overthrow the government. That was literally the point of it. Now, I'm not the person, you know, I told you, I'm kind of like in the middle of things, but leaning a little libertarian. I believe that there is a purpose to government, and I think it is very useful. I think it is currently being horrifically abused in the United States and your country, by the way. Holy shit. Um, it's wow. really, it's it's bad. And yeah. the abuses that are going on are things that people are not paying attention to. There is no organization. There is massive um, disinformation campaigns. Um that are going on right now that people still do not understand. And they're like, oh, well, I watch the news. Stop watching the news. It is all put out by the people who own the world. And that's the Rothschild family. Mm -hmm. They run the world. They own BlackRock. BlackRock runs the world. BlackRock is behind ESG. ESG is basically a social credit store, just like they have in China. Now, anybody who's listening at this point, they might be thinking, oh my God, she's onto something. Or wow, I never knew this. Or yep, she's got a tinfoil hat on and she's crazy. I get all of it. But the thing that people don't understand is the purpose of the United States, why this country was created in the first place, um, who it was created by. It was not created by stupid bent. It was, it was created by men who were tired of government tyranny, the king's ridiculous taxes, and having their freedom curtailed. Um, so they wanted to create a more perfect union. It says that in our Declaration of Independence, to create a more perfect union, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was to create liberty and equality among men um, and to capitalize on and live out our God-given sovereignty, not our king-allowed sovereignty. It's different. The nature of man and human is to be free. 
it is to live fully. It is to have a good life. It is to provide for your family. Men are supposed to provide. Men are, you know, women are supposed to be the nurturers. Like, and there's so much that is going on right now that it is it is Marxist. It is communist. It is specifically designed to tear apart families. That's what's going on with this whole trans movement. Yes, there are people who are genuinely um, gender dysphoric, but the numbers of actual people suffering from this from versus the people who are suffering from the social contagion, very, very different. You're like one in maybe 10,000 actual sufferers versus the current contagion. Um but all of this is designed to destroy the nuclear family, destroy men being men. You notice you got a lot of beta males walking around um, that are like hyper feminine. You've got a lot of very angry, hyper masculine women. It's it, it's all to break down the family because the family creates community. It creates strength. It creates people having a mind of their own and creating that rebellion. And the more that you destroy the family and you destroy the individual and you destroy the masculine and you destroy the feminine, the more you can destroy a country and the more you can tyrannize its people and the more you can impose your will upon them. They don't want families. They don't want firearms. They don't want you defending yourself. They don't want you unvaccinated. They don't want you having organic food. They don't want you staying away from big medicine. They don't want you staying away from big anything. They want you fully indoctrinated and a sheep that you work until you die. We will tax the shit out of you. Goodbye. Get in the grave. Next. That's what they, the big they, want for all of us across these different countries. You can look at the assholes like Klaus Schwab who are ruining the world systematically on purpose. You will own nothing and be happy about it. You will eat the bugs. No, I will not eat the bugs. Like, I am a free thinker and we need more people who are free thinkers who appreciate and deeply understand the necessity of the United States being the last stronghold for freedom in the world to stay intact and to stand tall and defend from the enemy within, which is our own damn government. And all of the things like ESG, the things like all of this socialism that's on the rise, all of these things that is gaslighting at a massive, massive scale. We need more people who are willing to stand up and say, nope, this is wrong. I will not comply. I will not do what you ask me to do because you have no right to tell me what to do. You're not qualified to tell me what to do. And I owe you nothing. You are not above me. I am sovereign. You know what I'm saying? And this is the big part of the movement that I'm creating with Sovereign Ammo. Yes, we sell ammo, but ammo is a commodity. You can buy it from anybody. Why would you want to buy it from me? Because we're creating a movement. And the movement is about sovereignty. That's why our name is Sovereign Ammo. And for people who don't understand sovereignty, they're like, oh, it's just selfishness. No, it's not. It's everything our creator wanted us to be. We're supposed to live in harmony, in freedom, not hurting other people. And we're supposed to live in the, in the service of all that is good and, and holy and, and all of the things that, you know, our creator asks of us. Some people believe in God. Some people believe in universe. I'm a God and universe believer. Sort that one out. But like, this is not what is going on is not right on any level. And the purpose of the Second Amendment, the purpose of the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights, in the Declaration of Independence, is to make damn sure the United States does not fall. And people would do well to remember that. Mic drop for that. That was fantastic. Thank you for that. Because Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah, that was great. That was great. <laughs> so why 
talk speak to us about i'm curious your thoughts desantis kennedy what do you like i know you like desantis but now kennedy's out there like what are your thoughts i like him too i know actually. i'm, I'm me too i like him too and it's it, it's kind of like everybody was talking about desantis and then kenny comes like i'm curious to hear your thoughts i'm not a, i don't know shit about politics i just at the end of the day i i like somebody i like somebody that's trying to unite people and that's what I like about Kennedy. Kennedy's a lot know, about the unification. I don't know a lot about DeSantis. I know he's very good. He's, I, 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 I like the guy from what he does. Um, speak to us about that a little bit. What are your sure. thoughts on that? Well, there's a couple candidates that have really caught my eye. I, um, I do believe that there are many things that Trump did very, very well. But his egocentric nature and his pettiness will be his downfall. Um, <laughs> like... You don't need to take cheap shots at people like be a gentleman. People would respect you more and you would win more approval from the left. He's a terrible unifier, but he is a great bully on the world stage to keep America safe. So there are pros and cons with Trump. And I like him with a lowercase L. It used to be a capital L, but it's like now you're picking on my homie DeSantis. And I live in the free state of Florida because of DeSantis. Santos. I've met the man personally. I've had nice conversations with him. He's genuine. He's kind. You can tell he really cares. And he is very wide awake to the global agenda um, for, you know, basically the dismantling of a civilized society. He's awake to that. And I know this because I've spoken to him about it. And this is this is probably the version of him that I that I really wish more people could see, but many people are not ready to receive that information, so he's not really outwardly talking about it would be my guess. I mean, I meet people where they are when I talk to them about personal development or or marketing or whatever. Like you can't just be like boom, deep end. Like you can't do that to people. But he's there, and that's why I really like him as a leader and he is not afraid to piss people off. Then you take a look at Kennedy, also not afraid to piss people off. He's coming at things from a very different angle. I keep saying he's a Republican in Democrats clothing because he, if anything, he's probably more moderate because he wants to be the unifier. He wants to be a person that actually protects people pr from the evils of big pharma. And he's very vocal about that and big aggro and all this other stuff. Like, I listen. So here's the part of me that's still very leftist, right? I love trees. I am a tree hugger. Like I want to save the whales. I don't want to see polluted waters. I don't want to see fishies dying and turtles have straws stuck up their nose. Like this makes me literally cry when I see these poor animals suffering and our oceans suffering and like oil spills. And it's like, I, I mean, I, I've been brought to tears more by that stuff than, than like random like crimes on the news. It's just like, I'm so desensitized to that, but I always have so much compassion for God's creations that are so innocent and pure and don't deserve that. And I like that Kennedy is standing up for body autonomy. He's standing up for science and logic, parental rights. Um, I, I read an, or I watched an interview with him on Twitter and it, and somebody was like pressing him to give an opinion on quote unquote gun control. And some people on the right, they weren't listening and they weren't paying attention. I was like, you didn't hear what he said. What he said was, if we can get consensus, then I'll sign it. Knowing full well that consensus will never, ever happen. He does not stand for gun control. And if you got one molecule banging around in your head, you can tell just by listening. He said it. 
But you have to read between the lines. He said what the left wants to hear because that's who's voting for him. If he ever stands a chance, I hope the CIA doesn't kill him, frankly, because they killed his other two family members um, and they're suppressing that. But our government is extremely corrupt um, and we need somebody who's going to dismantle it and not slow the decline, but reverse the decline. And that's what DeSantis is about. That's what Kennedy is about. It's also what Vivek um, Ramaswamy is about. Everything that that man has said has been articulate, spot on, kind, and really all about dismantling this whole disruptive big government that is essentially horrific and a threat to life as we know it. Um, They're good candidates. Um, There's other candidates that I wouldn't even give a second look at. I have no respect at all for Mike Pence. Um, there's a 0% chance I would ever vote for him. He also just has this creepy, like Satan's little helper look about him. I'm like, nah, my gut's telling me you're a bad, bad man. I don't like you. Um, and there's other people who are just ridiculously forgettable. And, and then there's Biden who wants to hide in his basement and avoid from, you know, avoid debates and stuff like that. It's because you can't complete sentences without cue cards and you can't wipe your own bum. That's why. How is that, man? How is that? How is that man the president of the United States? Oh, he's a he's he's a puppet. Obama no, like, stole the president. But, oh, just yeah. to be clear, but like it's oh for sure. But like still, he's even though. come right out and said it. I wish I had a third term still, though, with somebody as, else. Still, you know, as a, as a puppet though. Like, wouldn't you want like it's this? Wouldn't it's, you want a better puppet? Like, wouldn't you just? Somebody that's strong, confident. Like, hey. No, because then that person won't be a puppet because then they have their own ideas. Yeah. But I just mean I didn't want it to be projection to the world. Like, like if you want the world to respect you, you want your No, he doesn't care about respect because it's not Biden's game. You have to understand that. There I call him poopy pants Biden because he pooped his pants at the Vatican. And they tried to cover it up. It's like, I'm so proud of my president. Not really. Um, but like he he's an international embarrassment. But the reason he's there is a very strategic reason. It is to systematically disassemble the United States. Like what yeah. you and I would regard as bugs. Those are features, not flaws. Like every failure is intentional. You can't mess up this big and have it be an accident. It's not an accident. He is there on purpose. Kamala Harris. Oh my God. Listening to her speak is the most infuriating thing. Now is the time for us to think about the time that we need in order to think about the things about the time that we need to think about them in. Okay. Like she's horrific. Like I feel brain cells dying when I listen to her talk. She's just as bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, someone, who's the real architect? Someone like Tulsi, Obama. Tulsi Gabbard. Like she was amazing. And yes. there's, there's, there's just, there's people that anyway, it's, it's crazy to me. And I, I really, really hope that things change. I really do. I still can't believe Same. that things ended up the way they did, but they do. And, you know, I don't know. What can you do? There's another area I want to talk to you about. Um, sure. We're not helpless, though. I want to point that out. You just said, what can you do in a very fatalistic, defeated voice? Okay. There's no way I'm letting that slide. Okay. It's not okay. happening. Yeah, that's, what see, can we see, do is a good yeah, question. That is a good question. What can we do? That was my, that was my, uh, that was my Canadian passive aggressiveness or my like people pleaser. <laughs> what can well, we do? Well, we're not going to do that, eh? No. What can we do? So what we can do, believe it or not, is quite a lot. 
Um, we need to be very vocal. We need to be using social media um, to loudly be the vocal majority. Um, and it's when people are obedient that they're that their rights are taken away. Everybody needs to disobey. Everybody stop being well behaved. Start sharing the horrible memes. Say what you really think. Expose the truth. Share, 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 share. And if Twitter is the last bastion of freedom, then, you know, share there. I can't tell you how many times I've been censored on LinkedIn. I'm like inches away from being permanently deplatformed for being a conservative. Um, but like people need to A, share, B, need to talk more with other people, C, have conversations like these that are nuanced and chewy and a little difficult and actually talk with people calmly. D, people need to learn how to have contentious conversations respectfully, and people don't know how to do that. Largely, people get heated. They take things personally because of their own self-perception. They feel as though someone is attacking them and their own self-worth versus, no, I'm attacking your idea and the worth of the idea. There needs to be a massive depersonalization. People need to be involved with local politics. People need to um, use the gifts that they have to make a difference. I'm an excellent public speaker. That is the gift that I use. I want to give speeches. I have given speeches. I will give more speeches. I get people excited and empowered. That is the gift that God gave me. So I use it. I share ideas. I write. That's the gift I have. Maybe someone else is more equipped to do something to help rebuild veterans because the veterans are, some of them are the, mo the most pissed off of the bunch of watching the country that they fought so hard for and lost limbs for, lost their friends for, falling into a cesspool of despair. Like, rehabilitate the fighters. Be a fighter. Like, stop complying. When they tell you to put the mask on, don't do it. You get enough people who don't comply, things don't stick. It just doesn't work. It's how boycotts work. You know, we've got a shirt on our website that says awake, educated, sovereign. And underneath it in tiny letters, I will not comply. I will not comply. Okay. I, Laura Benedetto, will not comply. You want me to, you want to jab me? Nope. You want me to wear a mask? Nope. You want me to stay home? Nope. You want me to behave myself and shut my mouth? Nope. I'm going to mobilize my friends. I'm going to speak loudly. I'm going to get on stage. I'm going to align with the politician you hate the most. I'm going to talk. I'm going to share because I owe it to myself, my children that I don't have, hopefully someday, like I owe it to other people. As a citizen of earth, this is what is upon us. And involvement can be any number of different things. Sometimes there's nonprofits. It's supporting your favorite candidate. It's sharing things. It's going to a political rally. It's caring. Like, seriously, the baseline is caring and giving a shit, giving enough of a shit where you're not just going to sit on your couch and moan about in like the way things are. Well, do something about it. Solution focused versus like talking about the problem, like actually making shit happen, doing things that you yes, can do. Yes, get off your couch. Yep, get off Twitter. How, you just how do use... you, how do you, let's go back to like the the spiritual aspect and like personal development aspect. How do you keep your sanity and how do you work on your own energy? Because I know that personally, it can get very chaotic if if I am constantly focusing on the outer world and the craziness and getting lost in that because I felt it and I've had to pull myself back because energetically, I know that that isn't where my energy is best 
is like, right. so for me, now I'm curious about you, where is that line for you? Because there is so much chaos. There's so much information, so much outward stuff happening. And we can't do everything and go after everything because we're going to go insane. So mm-hmm. how do you, so for me, like I, I have to do my breath work. I have to do prayer. I have to do meditation. I have to do journaling. I have to work out like to get my power at its level that I can actually be of service. What do you do? Like, how do you navigate that, that craziness without burning out? Like, I mean, if you're posting about this and doing about that and this, this, right. this, how do you, how do you not go fucking crazy? Like, how do you keep your sanity? Right. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's, easy it's a vital to, question. It's easy to lose it sometimes. Right. Yep. And I have, I have, I've definitely lost it and been down that awful rabbit hole of losing myself and losing my sanity. And this was after I wrote my book, but believe it or not, I was actually returning to everything in the book. So the book, the six habits, you and I talked about that on the last episode we did together. Um, these are six mental habits, right? And I need to be, I'll review them for you. It's, you need to be kind to yourself. It's, it's the way you treat yourself. You need to unconditionally love yourself. So if you screw up, that's okay. Like you need to be your own parent, your own nurturing parent and be like, Hey, it's okay. Tomorrow's a better day. Let's let's do Mm. a great job. I love you. Right. You got to be grateful. You got to be present. You know, that means sometimes getting offline, you have to actually live your life. You have to add lots of good stuff and you have to be very intentional with the energy that you create and have some really good boundaries in all of that. So that's essentially the six habits boiled down very, very, very simply. There's obviously a lot more to it, but the most important thing is you have to remember that there is a life to be lived outside of all of this negative stuff. So life has been tumultuous since humans first walked the earth. Cain killed Abel. Um, There's been wars for years. There's been genocides. There's been horrible stuff. Human beings are not really super peaceful. Most of us are. But then there's a couple of megalomaniacs that become powerful and do terrible stuff like you know, like Stalin and Hitler and um, all of these terrible figures from history. They've just done some awful stuff because people didn't rise up and stop them. Right. But how do you stay sane in an insane world? Well, recognizing that it's an insane world, but we still have this beautiful glimmer of an opportunity to be part of this crazy insanity and find joy in it. And remembering that is literally the first step. And I I have to remind myself of this, Lance, every single day day. I have to remind myself of this. I'm looking at my phone. I'll be like doom scrolling and I'll be like, uh, there's a life to be lived outside of my phone and it is beautiful and good. And I will go outside and I will find toads and caterpillars and birds singing and clouds rolling by and rainstorm. We get a lot of those in Florida and they're amazing. And it's like, you have to live in between these moments. So boundaries is a very, very important part of the fifth habit, which is goodness you have to have boundaries with yourself and have boundaries with yourself. is one of the hardest things you'll ever do, but also one of the most vital. You have to say no to yourself, which is hard. You have to say, you've had enough time doom scrolling today. You need to go live your life. You've had enough time worrying about the world. Why don't you nurture your world? You know, like I love the way you pose the question because you said there's so much um, outward that really injures us or something like that. But you were really pointing towards 
outward stuff. When the inward journey is the place where the joy is, it's it's remembering the people that we love the most. It's putting our damn phone down. It's actually going for the walk and, and remembering that life isn't bad. It's pretty good. And that there's something worth fighting for, mm. not fighting against. You know, fight for the walks on the beach, fight for the moments watching the birds where it's peaceful and all you hear is like the hum of little bees and dragonflies, like fight for that, fight for the innocence of your children, fight for travel, like fight for the right stuff. Like, because if we spend all our energy fighting against, we burn out quickly, we forget Mm. that we are beings trapped in weird looking meat suits and we forget that there's joy everywhere and that's the purpose of the fight and that's the reason yeah. we're mad because we know how life can be yeah you know? yeah and yeah that brought up a good point about because people go what are you talking about we're the freest we have it so good i'm like yeah but that's why we need to fight for that yes like otherwise we won't like that's the point but people yeah. are like, oh my God, it's so much worse. Everybody everywhere else, you you know, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I appreciate what we have. That's why we don't want to lose it. That's why. This like, is precisely why you fight for it because yeah. they didn't. They're the example. They are the yeah. canary in the mine. Yeah. And that's the, that's the part of the group think that I just don't understand. And I, I'm sure we could probably tease it out if we talk long enough, but like you don't see the rest of the world devolving into chaos and all of the huge like riots happening in France and, you know, them shutting off the internet in France and no internet in Cuba and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, like Venezuela dissolving into a communist country and having, you know, hyperinflation, people don't pay attention to those stories because they're like, oh, I'm fine. It's the, it's the frog in the pot allegory. You're familiar with that, aren't you? Uh, Explain it again, though. Sure. So the frog in the pot, there's there's one frog in one pot and it's, uh, you know, tepid and the froggy gets in the water and the water temperature gets slightly warmer, slightly warmer until it's boiling and the froggy boils alive. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Don't be the frog in the pot. But if you're the other frog who is subjected to boiling hot water, they'll jump out. Right. But we have a nation of frogs in tepid water that is slowly rising and they're just like, this is fine this is fine. You know, that meme with like the dog sitting there and it's like a drawing of a dog in hell and there's fire everywhere. This is fine. (laughs) And it's like, stop doing this. It's like, it's so bad to like actually witness like what's going on. And people are, they're not paying attention. People are not aware enough to realize this is happening here. ESG is the social credit score. 15-minute cities are bad. They are in China. Why do you think China doesn't care about um, climate change? They don't care because they've already introduced communism. They don't need to lie to the people about that anymore because they've already got them under lock and key. Mm. And as soon as you guys keep ceding all your rights because you're the damn frog in the pot, you won't have any rights. You'll be locked down and then they'll stop lying to you because they don't have to anymore. And it's just too much work. Not enough people have read George Orwell. Yeah. People need to read George Orwell again. Read Animal Farm and read um, 1984. 1984. I was watching, uh, I was looking at something on uh, Netflix and um, they listed Animal Farm as a comedy, uh, the category. And I was like, no, this is a dire warning to humanity. I wouldn't call that a comedy. It's a bit of a documentary in advance, if you ask me, but okay. Mm. That's crazy. 
Have you mm-hmm. seen Have you seen Sound of Freedom yet? Mm-mm, I want to. My, we can, my husband and I keep trying to get tickets, but we can't get tickets. Like they, it's sold out in our area. I mean, keep in mind, I live in a red part of the country, so of course it's sold out. Yeah, it's uh, the fact that every human being on Earth doesn't get behind this really, really concerns me because. If there's mm-hmm. anything that should unite all of us, it's child trafficking and the fact that should CNN, Washington Post, and any other the bullshit mainstream media have called it some sort of like play on QAnon or any of that. You know why they're doing that though? Well, yeah, but the here because the, it's hitting close to home, and well, they have to do anything to be well, like shiny thing, shiny well, yeah, thing over to, here. They have to gaslight people. That's what they do. But here's the truth of the matter: for all of you guys that don't know this, Tim Ballard cre- did created this movie in 2014 before any of that stuff, before any of the QAnon was even known. So, like, the whole story, the whole premise of it was actually here's the thing, backed. It was actually, there was a story on mainstream media. I forget which news channel, but they talked about Tim Ballard in the in 2014 about him going to Columbia to do this mission. That's the crazy thing. And now all of a sudden they've switched because of the times. That's how nuts it is. And, and the fact that, I know you haven't seen it yet, but the fact that like. I get the gist though. You're not going to ruin it for me. The fact that that isn't. A, a massive red flag for people that you would rather cling on to something like QAnon than actually like if there is a chance that kids are getting trafficked, which they are, that you don't care about that and you dismiss it is really, yeah. really, really disgusting. And it is, but it's also revelatory and it explains how effective the propaganda machine yeah, is exactly. at the brainwashing. Um, so I'm that person that fully believes that Hollywood is run by a bunch of adrenochrome drinking, child trafficking, child murdering pedophiles. So I'm not a big fan of anybody in Hollywood. And as soon as they're like, get your vaccine, get your booster. Oh, you're one of the evil ones. We're done here. But then you get some people who are really, really outspoken, like, you know, Mel Gibson. He and Jim Caviezel need to watch their backs because they're going to get suicided yeah you watch they're gonna get killed and they'll be suicide i mean Anne haish was killed she didn't kill herself um anthony bourdain he didn't kill himself kate spade she didn't kill herself there's a few think about it people who want to stand up against the um satanic um baphomet worshiping psychopaths that are all the glitterati um they get bumped off yeah Yeah, it's wild. It is wild. And, you know, what's really crazy is how many people have heard me speak this way and have called me far right. And I, I challenge that it does not make someone far right to not believe propaganda. It doesn't. It seems far right because far right would be the insult for anyone who thinks that um you know anyone who believes anything other than far left ideals is a bigot and blah 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 so the far right is supposed to be an insult but it's like okay i'm not far anything 
I am very squarely in the middle and I believe in nuance like most people do, but I'll go the full measure of the miles and miles of long conversation to tease it out and research it. And I've done my own damn research and I've done reading tons of it when there was nothing else to do during COVID. Um, my business was basically crumbling. Uh, my business partner was dealing with cancer, you know, and I'm freaking out. I was doom scrolling, you know, and I was just like, ah, right, losing it. And I did a lot of research. I read some of the QAnon stuff and I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I will take this all with a grain of salt. And then I read a lot about the, um, the different things that have happened in uh, the United States. And what's crazy is all of the things that I was like, no, actually, it makes sense when you look at the evidence. Um, all of the things that I would say that to people blindly believe the opposite and then call me a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist because I didn't believe the lie. I won't believe the lie. And I listen, I'll be honest with you. I might believe it at first. And most people do. Like you and I both believe the COVID lie at first. You know, it's okay. Most people yeah. did. Right. And it's fine. But like you have an obligation as a human to wake yourself up. No one is going to wake you from the dream. Mm -hmm. No one is. And, you know, once you've been, you know, red pilled and you actually see the world the way it is, not the way you thought it was, you can't unsee it. You question everything. Like, you know, I question every medical procedure, every food ingredient. I question everything. It's like, I'm a professional skeptic at this point. Like somebody says to me, the sky is green. No, it's not. Sky is blue. No, it's not. I don't believe you. Like, I don't believe you. I want to see it for myself and I want to prove it. So it's honestly, it's exhausting to live this way, you know, to like know so much and carry the burden of truth. And people don't want that. Ignorance is indeed truly bliss. I get why people prefer ignorance. It's easier. It's much more fun. However, when you realize who you are, that you are a celestial being and that you have this infinite divine power that the creator gave you and that you were given this incredible, miraculous gift of a body so you could traverse this crazy bonkers world and do something with it and witness things like I talked about, like birds and butterflies and dragonflies and toads and water. Water is so cool. Like yeah. people get so like conditioned to being like so used to and taking everything that's miraculous for granted and being desensitized to little kids being hurt that they forget that the magic of the world is still here that things are worth fighting for and that there's a reason why the united states was created specifically the way it was created and why we should do something like sovereignty is the most important concept to humanity and people don't get it amen you get it though. amen oh of course i um I love having these conversations because I think it's important, you know, Same. and thank you so much, Laura, for coming on and sharing your wisdom. It was uh, it's a lot different than our last conversation, but <laughs> I know that one was much more behaved. <laughs> this one was good. This is important, you know, like we're just, you know, speaking the truth here. I mean, it's not like we're doing anything that's not hasn't, you know, it's, it's important. And, um, you know, I've been vocal about this stuff from the beginning. But, you know, for me, I've always been kind of like you make your, I tell people you make your own decisions. You know, you can, I, I, you, you can pick what I pick up what I'm putting down. You know, I, uh, I think most people know where I stand with all this stuff. It's, uh, I mean, it's, there's been so much bullshit and yep. you know, at the end of the day though, there has been a lot of positive as well. 
And it's forced a lot of us to grow, a lot of us to adapt, a lot of us to explore new opportunities and step into different absolutely and different things. There's so, something I want to say to you. I think yeah. that there has been a tremendous amount of resistance from the personal development and the warm and fuzzy community that you and I met through um, to a lot of the ideas that we've talked about. There's been a ton of resistance. So when you know when you talk about like wh what kind of fallout was there. There was a lot of that. I was a part of a growing community of extremely successful women um, who I later discovered were all extreme left, um, not really believing in nuance and had no tolerance for my skepticism or my own opinions or even asking questions. So I actually lost a lot of opportunities for my book because I was on a bit of a rocket ship heading places. And then because I had a thought of my own that they didn't like, I was ejected from the rocket ship and I, they didn't want to take me with them anymore or be associated with me because I was the crazy nut job. And I remember actually witnessing what you were doing and your openness about questioning things. And I remember our first conversation, I was like, I like this guy. He's cool. He's my friend. You know, this is great. But seeing that you didn't abide by groupthink, and you are a part of the world that is all about the warm and fuzzy and kumbaya and all of that stuff. It was such a breath of fresh air for me to see that because I felt very, very alone, very alone for a very long time. And it was, it was lonely. It was debilitating. It was very sad. I worried if I'd ever be able to sell my book. I worried if, you know, anyone would ever think that, you know, I was worth talking to again or, you know, and it was just really nice to see you stand powerfully in your beliefs and say them and to let the chips fall where they may. And I found it very inspiring. I ended up doing a lot of um, the same myself, but it was so nice to just not feel alone. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've tried to take the approach of doing the very best I can to come from a place of like solution like be aware of what is going on. Like I've been very like, I want to have the conversations. I want to talk about it. But then I also always want to make sure that I'm giving people a way out. I find that the dark stuff can get real dark and people can feel stuck. But I always want to make people feel, understand the hard shit. You got to sit in the fire. You got to sit in the dark. But then we got to figure out, okay, what can I do? every single day to change my energy so that I can change the the trajectory of my life because it's so easy to get stuck in the shit. And yes, because there's a lot of that out there. And so, you know, that has been something for me that I've always tried to just stay kind of curious. Like I have my opinions. There's certain things I'll say more times than others, certain things I won't. I do mm -hmm. speak my truth, but I I do my best to do it from a place that is empowering for somebody, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, you know, when I see people like Tony Robbins, who I admire standing for truth, standing for things like, you know, like Tim Ballard and, and there's other people that I admire that even Joe Dispenza, he doesn't talk about it much, but when you go to his events, you know, he, he, you know, you, you understand where he stands, but there, but, but the focus is different. The focus is more inward. And I have realized that a Great. lot, a lot of, 
a lot of the world outside that I see changes when I focus on doing the inward stuff. Like, I don't, I don't understand how it all works. I just know that for me during all of this craziness, that has been the best for me. And that's what I always want to remember with anyone listening or following me or whatever is that, um, I want to be known as somebody that like talks about challenging shit, has powerful conversations, but also like there's like solutions there. And that's just what I always, I, I, I really, I strive to do. And I, I appreciate you for saying that because sometimes I feel like, you know, there's times where I'm like, Oh, I need to just go all in on this. And I just need to, because there's people that, that, that I know in my space that have capitalized going, like doing that, mm-hmm. like completely, you know, fuck Trudeau, fuck the, like, and just getting this like tribe. Mm-hmm. But like, that's just not for me. That's just not who I am. No, nope, you know? but you also it's- lose a lot of the joy of life. And I think, I think that's the thing that you and I probably share here is it's like fight for things, not necessarily against them. Yeah. Live your life, find the joy in the muck, like live powerfully. And that's what I really want to create with the whole sovereignty movement. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like you're creating your version of it as well. It's like, let's invite you to think differently. Let's invite you to have these hard conversations and also give you the tools to love yourself and find sanity in an insane world. I mean, it's weird. You would never expect me. I certainly wouldn't to have a marketing company, a personal development, how to be happy book and an ammunition company. They don't seem like they're related in the slightest, but it's that it's the idea of sovereignty. Like it's not just national and spiritual or, or, um, you know, individual sovereignty. It's also spiritual. Are you sovereign over your own thoughts? Are you Mm -hmm. sovereign over your own time? And what you're allowing in, like, are you your own temple? Yeah. You know? So when we chose the name sovereign ammo, it was like, man, it's got like so many different meanings. And some people pick up the spiritual, some people pick up the celestial, some people pick up, you know, the God and some people pick up the national sovereignty. And it's really just a matter of meeting people where they are. They see what they want to see. And I get, I guess, like you, I get the opportunity to be like, there's more to this. You want to hear it? Yeah, no, I, um, I love it. I think it all makes sense. That's why it's great to have you on. Cause you, you know, you explain, you. you explain how it all works for you and, and it's, and you're doing well and you're, you know, people need it, you know, you're a leader in, in your space and it's important. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. I appreciate that acknowledgement. I feel <laughs> some days I feel like you know, Sisyphus with the boulder and the hill and getting crushed every day. And some days I feel like I can do things. And, you know, there are days where I don't feel like I'm making any difference. And then there's other days where I really feel like I am the days, you know, the days that I feel like I'm making the biggest impact is when I get to have conversations like this. I get to share this conversation with, you know, folks that follow me or our audience or our customers or whatever. And if I'm able to inspire someone else to use their voice, creaky and imperfect as it may be, that is my ultimate, not so nefarious goal. Like I want you to use your voice, even if you disagree with me, that's okay, but use your voice, use it. Don't be silenced. Don't just roll over and die and do what you're told. Like think for yourself. It's okay if you disagree with me, let's have the conversation, but like, God, 
damn it, just live, you know, stop hiding. So many people say to me on my LinkedIn, they're like, oh, I love what you're saying because you're saying what I'm thinking. Well, why are you only thinking it? Well, because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid I'm I'm going to get deplatformed. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my friends. Well, I've lost clients. I've lost friends. I've lost opportunities, but I also look at what I've gained and that's the part you're not seeing. Mm. And they're, you know, the reaction is always the same, huh? You're right. And sometimes people take the invitation and then they start being more vocal and they're like, wow, this feels so much better. Yes, it does. It's joyful to be able to speak what's in your heart. And if you're, if your heart is hurting because you're seeing little kids injured and trafficked around the world, then say that if you're hurt because you can't stand seeing like children, like duped into thinking that they're the wrong gender and consenting to surgeries when they can't even vote yet, like say it, like talk about what's, what the hurt is in your heart, get it out. And then, and that's how you can get back to your joy, which is seeing little kids be little kids and, you know, getting to have fun and play with like dirt and just like be gross, grubby little humans, which what kids are supposed to be, you know, innocent and free. And at the end of the day, I really always like, I deeply believe this. You, me, every adult on the planet we are all in pursuit of the joy that we experienced when we were children. Yeah, not the truth. It's the unlearning to remember. I know. What we were. Well, I mean, think about it. You know, there was, there's probably like, if you take a look at the stuff that you do, the traveling, the conversations that you have, they're all in pursuit of that same feeling that you had when you were a kid, right? And for me, it's the same. Like I'm a nature nerd. I love being outside. Guess what I used to do when I was a kid? I used to catch frogs when I was a kid. And I used to like hang out by the stream and just listen to the water and feel the breeze in my hair. And I just loved those moments. They felt so like divine, right? Mm. So I spend so much of my time in pursuit of more of that. Like anytime you ever have a high from a drug or a great experience in life, you will spend the rest of your life chasing it in some form or another. And I'm 100% chasing those highs. Like I want more time outside. I want more moments like the first time I kissed my husband. I want more moments like the first time I saw a place with palm trees, that sense of wonder and joy Mm. and excitement. And wow. Like the wonder, like people, they're like, oh, that's awesome. You don't know what awesome means. Awesome is your jaws on the floor and you're like, whoa, and you can't even speak. That's awesome. And that's what I'm all about. I love it. Where, where can we, where's the best place to find SovereignAmmo.com? Is that where we're sending everybody? Yeah. Go to SovereignAmmo.com. It's Sovereign, S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N ammo.com sometimes people can't spell sovereign so that's the and one you, detail of the you business. also that's have you also have your on on linkedin it says visit laura di benedetto that's how you say it right di benedetto yeah, laura di benedetto.com yes. yeah. <laughs> nailed it <laughs> um you can also go to the six habits t-h-e-s-i-x habits.com or if you need some marketing you can go to vision-advertising.com and maybe I'll just add 55 more websites. So when people ask me this question, I'll be talking for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, and I highly recommend everybody going to your LinkedIn. You got you're consistent on there. And I I still need to figure that platform out. I, I told you I'll teach you. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's honestly, it's like crickets for me. I post something, I'm like, geez. <laughs> it, well, that can happen. But listen, I promise you. Listen, do you want me to share like top three secrets for LinkedIn with you and your audience right now? Sure, I will. Sure, sure. All right. One, you have to show up every single day. 
You have to yeah. post every day and build consistency. Think, think about what LinkedIn wants. LinkedIn wants people on the platform. So if you keep people on the platform as long as possible by creating good content, you have to not just show up every day, but you have to show up every day with quality. If you don't have quality, just shut up and wait until you do, mm. right? So number two, you can't just post and ghost. You have to stick around for an hour after you post and you must respond to every single comment and not just thanks. No, you have to respond because someone has just given you their time and weighed in. You need to respond and build relationships. And number three, you need to create quality content that actually makes people want to read below the fold. The below the fold is the you know, dot, 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 read more. You have to create such a compelling and powerful hook that it makes people curious about what's after the hook. If you do just those three things, and there's only about 47 more tips that I could give you, um, you will see more success than you're currently seeing. Well, thank you. You're welcome. That's there's perfect. More. We'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> Laura, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was so good to connect with you again. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me back. This was loads of fun. I love talking to you. We talked about a lot of stuff. We covered a lot. I know. Well covered ground. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, everybody.